trying to make it right These people won't let me go I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Let me grow, let me go Let me grow, let me go They should know, they should know They should know, they should know I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. For this week's episode of The Kettle is Hot, I am joined by my guest, Olivia Lewis. Olivia, who uses she, her pronouns, is originally from Dallas, a former teacher, and then moved into corporate America and is now in the software engineering field. Hello. Hello. (laughs) We're finally doing this. We've been trying to schedule (laughs) recording for like a good month. (laughs) I am so excited to finally do this. Every single week we're like, hey, can we, hey, what about next week? Can we just reschedule for six weeks from now and hopefully that works? I'm like, yeah, sure. And we're finally here. I'm so happy. Me too. So you and I met about a year ago now because I was still doing the other show um, and I was still friends with the other, the other crew and I met you through them. So it's like wild how we went from legit like strangers and you just been like, Hey, I love you on the show to like now, like even like the first time we met was just like so excited to like finally meet. And I was literally, I was going to say, I was like, I will never forget because I had known that you were the person that run that ran the social media and that so you were the person that I was talking to when I would like mm-hmm. submit a topic or something and then when I told you I was going to be there like we both like locked eyes and ran towards each other and it was like I don't I guess I, I've never seen the notebook but I feel like it was like a notebook moment where like Long they run friends. and they just hug and we hugged for like five minutes and I remember like running over to another friend afterwards and being like, did you see that? And they were like, yeah, y'all literally just like didn't let go of each other. <laughs> and I was like, cause we're going to be best friends. And I still have a video of you singing from that night. Oh my God. I was and I was just like, I watch it all the time. Cause I'm like, this is my best friend, Brie. <laughs> I was so drunk at that party. God, always get a we're, designated driver. Number one. <laughs> we all <laughs> did get yeah. a designated driver. Oh my God. I... <sighs> I miss I miss house parties now. Like I used to hate them, but now I'm like, oh my god, I miss a house party since we're in quarantine. Shout out to Thanksgiving. That house party was my favorite. Oh, that was a Friendsgiving was a good one. That I know. Such a good one. Uh, I know. I'm now like if if I end up staying in Austin, I'm still thinking of moving to a little bigger of a place. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking of like maybe maybe renting a house next and being a full adult. Wild, I know. Oh my gosh. Gotta get a job first. Anyway. Adulthood. What is it? Any listen, I'm 30 <laughs> and I'm like, ha! Ah! So we'll figure it out someday. But yeah, I am so excited to talk to you today, specifically about this topic. You wanted to talk about allyship, but specifically in the workplace, which I think is so important, especially since we are all still in quarantine, so we're all still mm-hmm. working from home. But, you know, especially with me, as I continue to apply for jobs, I'm now 
broadening my horizons and looking to do diversity, equity, inclusion work, um, which for me always sounds like very fancy HR. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so what, number one, what made you pick this topic? Um, Well, a couple of things. So the, the irony of like you wanting to do diversity, inclusion, um, in my last company that I was at my very first corporate America company. Now I'm actually in startup America. Um, but my last company, my boss was the chief diversity and inclusion officer. Um, so I was already pretty like, you know, really passionate about it. And it was, it's a fortune 500 company. It had 5,000 employees in 75 different locations in 25 different countries, you know? Um, so when I came to this new company, you know, like you got to kind of like get your bearings down and then like you try to start a social committee and you kind of see what you can do from there. Um, but, you know, obviously in light of all the recent events, you know, Black Lives Matter, pre- police br- brutality, um, you know, defunding the police, all that stuff. <laughs> I was feeling... Um, I could feel my coworkers wondering, you know, how our company felt about them. Um, And when all this stuff happened, I immediately reached out to, um, to my black coworkers and was like, Hey, I just want to check in on you. I want to see how you're doing. Um, And to a fault, I did not reach out to a couple of them because I literally like, I just like forgot. Um, And when I realized that I was like, Oh, Olivia, you idiot. Um, But you know, a lot of people came up to me and were like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go, you know, within our company because they, we, there wasn't kind of like a big statement made about it yet. Um, and I went to my boss and was like, Hey, look, like, I know that you and I are having these conversations. I know that you're having conversations with leadership. I am also having conversations with leadership. We need to do something and like i understand that we're having conversations but no one knows that we're having conversations people are still coming to me saying this is how they feel they're you know they're afraid to speak out and and not specifically because our leadership made them feel that way but because some people can't even like go to their best friend and say hey this is how i feel about you and like what you said, and it made me uncomfortable or like, I am having a really hard time in this situation. Like I need help. I need to hear from you. I need, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And so I have a very loud voice. Um, I am not afraid to stick up for what I believe in. And I sat there and was like, you know what? These people are coming to me. They want to stay anonymous. I will absolutely keep that a hundred percent like anonymity but I'm going to, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to tell our leadership, like we have got to communicate to our employees that we are trying to do something about this because they don't feel like they, they didn't feel like we were. Um, so, you know, obviously we have, <laughs> we have been scheduling this over and over and over again. And we have gone, we have both gone through many different parts of our lives in the last six weeks And, you know, just with everything going on and honestly, how my last week went, like this very last week, very specifically, um, I felt like it would just be such a good topic because it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, it's terrifying. um, But I'm hoping that, you know, like, if I talk about it, 
being a little white girl, like a little blonde white girl with a super peppy bubbly personality where when I tell you I was a cheerleader, everyone is like, no shit, Olivia. You know, like um, if I can do it, I'm hoping that like I can inspire other people to do it because it sucks that, you know, some people don't feel confident enough to bring these things up. Um, especially when they're a black person and they're like, they want to bring it up and they, they're afraid to. And so it's like, you know, if you can bring them a voice, do it. Um, and, and honestly, I actually had you in mind when this was happening because of your quote, you know, change happens in uncomfortable places. Uh, literally my favorite quote ever. And, and it's true. And I sat there and I was like, God, this is like, uh, like this sucks. And I sat there and I was like, honestly, shut the fuck up, Olivia. Like, does it suck to have a conversation? Because it sucks for these people to fucking live their lives the way that they feel like they have to, like in fear every single day. And I was like, the least you can do is stand up, you know? And, and yes, you know, signing petitions, donating, you know, sharing resources, that is so important. And so, um, you know, like, I'm trying to think of another word, uh, rather than important. It's, it's also important. Okay, there we go. Um, you know, it, it's just so important to do those things. But if you can stand up and do something else for other people in your community, like, I think that is another level of just taking action. You know, it's like you can hide behind a screen, you can hide behind your phone, you can hide behind a keyboard. But if you don't stand up and take action yourself, when you know that you can, then like then what are you doing you know and and some people they have anxiety some people like suffer from anxiety depression any other type of like mental like um mental disability and that's okay like i'm not saying that everyone has to go do this but i i'm i'm hoping that it can help them because it helped our company tremendously um one of the conversations that i had i mean like I got really heated a few times. There is no question about it. I was on the verge of yelling, on the verge of screaming. I was getting very passionate about it. Um, you know, just trying to explain to the people who worked above me, you know, like, hey, like, this is so fucking important that we get it out there, that we are having these conversations. Because people need to know that, like, you know, we want to make a change, but we want them to know that they have a safe place. And that is so important because, you know, like a lot of people don't have a safe place to talk. They don't have, some people don't have a therapist to talk to. Some people don't have a best friend to talk to. Some people can't talk to their family. Like I wanted them to be able to like go into our general Slack channel and say like, Hey, this is how I feel about it. Let's be like, let's have an open conversation about it. Or like, let's share resources here for Black Lives Matter. Let's give like here's a list of petitions here's a list of youtubes that you can watch if you can't donate money the ads donate the money you know like here's um free resources here's paid resources you know like i wanted to be able to give them a safe place to talk about all those things and i had had a conversation with a couple of girls um where they were like you know a lot of people were going to them too and they didn't want the responsibility they were like i don't i don't want to be the person to like, you know, step on the grenade for everyone, you know? And I was like, I will be like, you know, like I have no problem with that. I will step on that grenade and I will let it explode in my face if that's what happens. Like if it, if that's what happens, then like, 
you know, we have to have another conversation, but I will absolutely do that. And, and they were very grateful for that. And they were very thankful for that. And so, um, we ended up, it kind of started off by, you know, like I just, I was just having all these conversations and I was trying to tell them, oh my God, like, let them know we are trying to get a plan of action together. Like they don't, they don't care if we have a plan of action together right now. They, they want to know that we are talking about it and we're taking it seriously and not like me and we in general, just like leadership or like the people in our company, because like, especially right now when we're quarantined, we're not in the office. We're not seeing each other every day. We're not talking to each other every day. There isn't, you know, water cooler talk. There isn't passerby talk. I can't go up to one of my friend's desks when I'm bored. And like, I see that, you know, like maybe they're on a break or something. Like I can't have those conversations with them and like have other people hear it and then come in and talk about it. You know, like I'm having to individually reach out to all these people and say like, Hey, this is happening. I promise. And so that was on a Tuesday. And uh, one of the suggestions that I gave my boss that he was been passing on to his boss was Juneteenth was that Friday, which was now this past Friday. Um, And uh, because it was so close, we couldn't get the day off. And I was like, what if it was like some type of like educational day, you know, like, um, you know, it's not an excuse to go out and party, but it's an excuse to get together and create a safe space. And, and I was like, it could just be a town hall. We were not scheduled to have a town hall that Friday because we have them every other Friday. And, um, and I was like, you know, like what, what if like that is where we were able to have an open discussion about what is going on in the world? Um, because that's the thing too, is like the world is a fucking dumpster fire right now. It sucks. Like we are all sheltered in place in Austin. Cause like, you know, that's where we are. And like, we, we are quarantined. Like, yes, it's kind of opening back up, but then like, you know, our shelter in place just got extended. We're in the middle of black lives matter. It's also pride month. Like there is brutality all over the place. There are people fighting against it all over the place. There, a lot of things are coming to light because of social media, which is awful, but also in turn a really good thing. But like, it's just kind of depressing right now. Like you're not around people, you're stuck at home. Like all these awful, awful, awful things are happening. Like people are dying from the pandemic. People are dying from police brutality. Like when you come to work and you don't feel like you have a safe place, like you have no motivation. You're just like, oh, cool. I come here because I don't, I can't be out there. or I don't want to be out there. And I hate my life just as fucking much. Like I was like, I don't want the people that I interact with every single day to feel that way. And so one of the things that I did, I, my job title specifically is called um, Scrum Master. And one of the very first things I did was ask for my title to be changed because the word master very specifically in technology language derives from slavery. We have lists called master lists and slave lists. We have lists called black lists and white lists. Like, and this would no people have been uncomfortable with it before, but no one has really like stood up and said like, we need to change this. Um, one of the biggest uh, software engineering companies out there, meaning, um, they they store code and they do a bunch of other stuff um it's called github it's something that i believe most software engineers are very aware of um they um they came out with an article saying like hey we're changing all of our language 
like it is going to be shown that this is like a first and second list and it is going to be showed that you know like this is like it, it's going to be showed that this is what these actually mean and we are taking all of this with slave language out and so um you know of course like seeing that after i had just been like hey i would like to change my name i was like oh my gosh this is happening and i got super excited and we now have a new name for me it's called i'm called an agile facilitator um because it's also just like a better step in my career because the next step up would be an agile coach um which is what i plan on going like where i plan on going and so you know like that was the first step um the second step that i was referring to earlier when i said i was talking to my boss um was that town hall um you know like trying to just figure out how we can bring people together um he actually suggested that we all get on a netflix watch party and watch 13th together um, or any of the other things that Netflix put together for Black Lives Matter, which I was so impressed with and so happy with. Um, and I was like, yes, also good ideas. And so I really hadn't heard anything and I wasn't really sure what was happening. I wasn't sure what the conversations were. And, but I knew it, but then I talked to my chief technology officer, our CTO, and I was, and I, I had the conversation with him and was like, these people need to these people need to know, um, brought up having, because our HR is also outsourced. Um, so it's not internal. So we like, we don't have an internal HR person that can help with these things. And so he was like, you know, like, what about creating like a diversity inclusion group? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Like that is a genius idea. And he was like, you know, do we need to go externally first? Do we need to go internally first? And I was like, we have to go internally first. Like, right now i don't care what y'all say to the public i mean like i do but like i don't like you need to let me and you need to let them like you need to let our entire company you need to very especially let our black employees know that they are heard and they are being cared for and like we are going to do something about it um and so he said yes he was also like he's traveling right now and so like you know like me and then also meetings you know i wasn't I wasn't in constant contact with him as much as I would have liked to be. And so then Thursday I get a um I get an invitation that we're having a town hall the next day. And because I didn't know like I didn't I didn't know what was happening next. So I was like I I I know the conversations I had. I don't know. I don't know what else is happening. Like I was kind of terrified. I was like I don't know what's going to happen next. Like you know cuz you you're afraid of the unknown um and when we got on our ceo said a couple things and he was like i am going to invite x employee to talk um x employee is a black employee he's amazing he's so sweet um i like haven't talked to him about this so i don't want to like say anything um but he had a whole presentation ready so he's a black employee he had this whole presentation ready he talked about Black Lives Matter. He talked about Juneteenth, the entire history behind it. And um, he talked about the rioting and looting and why it's happening. And, you know, like the fact that it is a response to everything that is going on in the world. And like, yes, it's violent, but they tried peaceful before. And like, we've seen what happened, like Colin Kaepernick is a perfect example. Um, you know, he tried to kneel during the national anthem and people took it the wrong way. And now a lot of people are apologizing to him for it. 
Um, but he, he explained the response and why it was that way. And he, he talked about police brutality and he talked about, you know, um, his experience with it and two other employees to our two other black employees came in and talked about their experience with police brutality. And, um, and it not only educated the entire company on what all these things mean and why they are being responded to the way that they are and what we can do about it. Um, but it brought it to such a personal level of watching these people ball their eyes out and be the most vulnerable that they could ever possibly be, um, you know, with all of us over a Zoom meeting on a Friday, you know, like on Juneteenth, not just any Friday, but like on Juneteenth, they are very explicitly telling us our story, their stories. Um, and I just remember, like, I turned my camera off because I was crying so hard. Um, there was no question about it. I, the, the stories that, you know, like, you, as a little white girl, like, who has her license to carry, I have handed a police officer my license to carry before. And there have been no repercussions at all. One time, I swear to you, I didn't get the ticket because I had my license to carry. And I was just like this little girl who was going 55 and a 30. I was like, there's no way you're giving me a warning for that but for any other reasons than like, I just, I just handed you my license and like my driver's license and my license to carry. And then like, and so it's like to go from that to seeing stories where people have registered weapons, have their license to carry and are being shot in front of their wife and daughter for it. And then like also hear all of these other stories from people that I sit next to every single day, you know, or did sit next to every single day. It's like, it was incredible. And it was the, one of the saddest experiences I've ever had in my life. But it was also just like, I sat there and I was like, y'all listened. Yeah. Our leadership listened. I want to point out that you just talked for 15 minutes straight. And I know people are like, why didn't you interrupt her? I'm like, because this is literally how you be an ally. You see that something is wrong. And rather than ask Black people to do any of the work, you use your privilege, as you say. And like, Olivia is a small white girl from Dallas <laughs> who saw that she had privilege and was like, I'm going to say something because why make Black people uncomfortable? My, why make them do the work? Why tokenize them? And you know, instead of doing all that, you helped create this space and then offered them the space to talk about it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, like, you know, I just wrote a whole blog post, but like what I want allies to and to not do. And everyone's like, we love this. I'm like, it's literally like not rocket science, like how to just yeah. be a decent human being and not make it about you. And so that's one of, that's when a lot of the things about me talking to allies lately is like, A, one, like put yourself in someone else's shoes number one like you're saying like if you weren't a white girl with this license to carry what would have happened and then like two realizing that like black people get pulled over all the time for stupid shit mm -hmm. and it ends them in them getting killed mm -hmm. and you know you realizing that and seeing your privilege in it and that's what 
been the biggest thing about for me talking to people on how to be allies is you need to check your privilege, which a lot of people are uncomfortable doing because we've been taught so long that your whiteness should be centered constantly. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably been my biggest thing is like you're saying, like, I am a big believer in sitting in the, in the discomfort because if once once you feel that and realize like, if that's what you feel for 30 seconds, imagine that's how you feel every minute of the day, your whole life as a black person. Exactly. That simple. Yeah. And I, I mean, even all of the resources that you are constantly sharing all the stories that you're sharing the stories that I've heard from you personally, you know, it's like, I sat there and was like, Olivia, check your privilege. No, you're not the wealthiest person out there. No, you're not the smartest person in the world. No, you're not the funniest person in the world. Like just in the sense of like, these aren't like my big things, you know, but like, but I know I'm privileged. I know I come from a family that is still together I know that I am white. I know that I also come from a military family, which like in Texas is a privilege. Like I have always had a roof over my head. I have never been scared when police show up. Like shit, even when I was in high school and the police showed up to like parties where we were underage drinking, I was not actually scared. I was more afraid of like my parents calling my grandparents and telling them that I was in jail and like making them get out, like then, then having my life taken and like, and with everything that has happened recently, with everything that has come to light recently, it's like, I had to sit there and be like, Olivia, you live every single day privileged as fuck. Like not just from like a financial standpoint, like from the fact that I am able to fall back on my parents, but like literally the color of my skin is the reason that I can go anywhere I want to and not be afraid. And when I came to that realization, I was in Lubbock, I was with my sister and her and I had a really long conversation about it. And we like sat there and we were like, all right, how can we use this to help the black community? We both sat there. We, looked at resources, we, you know, did every, like, signed every petition that we could, donated the money that we were able to donate, you know, and ordered books, whether it was, you know, like, how to be anti-racist, or, like, how to be an, uh, how to be an ally, um, check, like, so I think it's, like, check your white fragility, or, like, just white fragility in general, um, you know, watching these Netflix videos, like, we spent, like, two days doing that, um, and then, I just, I was kind of like sitting there, you, you know, I was traveling Lubbock, Colorado. I was not in Austin. I couldn't go to the protests. Um, and I was like, okay, like, what can I do? What can I do? Like, how can I take action? I'm a, I'm a kinesthetic person. I'm a, I'm a kinesthetic learner. You know, I was like, how can I physically, you know, somehow do something to help? And then when this came up in the company, I was like, Oh, it's my time. And I was like, and, and, I also didn't think about the people who are put in that position and don't want to be in that position. You know, like the, the two girls that I talked to, um, neither of them are black, but they are both minorities. And they were both like, I don't want to be that person. Like, and I sat there and like, you know, that's when I sat there and was like, I 
will be, I will raise my hand and I will do this. I do not care how uncomfortable it makes me. And yeah. like, again, that's when like your quote came into my head and I was like, change happens in uncomfortable places. Yeah. I mean, it's also been interesting, like how many diversity and inclusion jobs there are now. And, and for me, it's like, okay, do you actually want to be better or are you trying to tokenize black people now? Or are you trying to check it, check the box? Exactly. And so for your coworkers who are, you know, not black, but still POC and then being like, this isn't my space. But then also think about it like, I, I don't, you know, there's this really long story that I can't remember right now, but it's like, first they came for me and then they came for, you know, so like, it's always like, who's next on the chopping block? And so like right now it's black people, but I can only imagine of like, these people of color who's like, well, I don't want to see, be seen as the one like stirring the pot and causing issues. Like mm-hmm. they, that fear of like not wanting to be called out. And I was just recording with a friend before this of like with me being fun employed right now and me trying to decide if I'm going to go back and work for someone else or if I'm going to try to work for myself. You know, I had an interview a couple of weeks ago and this guy was asking like why I left one job that I had left before and I was telling him and I could tell he was really uncomfortable because I'm like, I'm not one to keep quiet. Like, mm-hmm. I would rather be continuously unemployed and stick by my morals than to fall into this trap of like what I'm quote unquote expected to do and like the model minority behavior in order to make white people and other people in power comfortable. Like, I'm not doing it. Like, if that's why I never get a job again, that's, I can live with that. But mm-hmm. with me, I'm constantly the one that speaks up and says something and that's the cross I bear and the hill I die on but you know I've been doing this work for a long time and I was telling a friend earlier I'm like I learned how to public speak because I grew up in the church like we are taught very early to be brave and you know that our voice matters if it's you know you singing or reading a poem or what have you and so there's that and then also coming from a family of activists and people who protested it's so like my family office, like, where'd you get this from? Like, it's literally from you. Like, you have no one to blame but yourself, but yourselves. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing that's really been on my mind lately. Is like, is that as we continue to do this work and I could continue to, I get, I continue to get asked to do things and do like public speaking things or, you know, what have you. I always think of like, I would rather be exhausted than for, if, if my exhaustion means that a black, kid in the future can breathe a little easier that's fine or that a black woman gets more money at her next job or that a queer person is able to like hold their partner's hand in public and or that a woman is able to get an abortion sorry a person with a uterus is able to get an abortion if that's what they need like who who you know if if that's what i have to do if that's the voice and space i've been given that that's fine um but yeah, I just, I often think of that of like, you know, the people who do this activist work is like, we give up a lot to do this and it is exhausting. And so as like all these new people come into allyship into other work, I'm just like, y'all, you got to take care of yourself. It is okay to still find joy during the tough times and, you know, take a break and, re- and um, rest and get, you know, make space for for your feelings and the things that you need. But yeah, I mean, you, you saying that about your coworkers really stuck out because I can, you know, I used to live in that fear of like, well, if I say something, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just kind of like, well, got to start typing because I feel like there's something I need to need to say. So, yeah, I get that. And then also like what you, you made a comment about like transparency around these conversations and sitting in this discomfort. And, you know, I'm currently 
doing some coordination with the college I graduated with. They want to do a training or like have a conversation with their students coming in this year. And I will be facilitating the conversation over Zoom. And my school hasn't come out with a statement. And so the team that I am on, we it's about seven or eight of us, three of us are black, four of us are black. And we're talking about like, why hasn't the school made a statement? And we're saying, I would rather you say something than say nothing. Even if it is not pretty, if it is written wrong, if there's a spelling error, just something. Because the fact that you have been like the, the whole thing about like silence equals violence, you not saying anything is actually you saying a lot. And so I also thought about that too when you were talking about, you know, they need to say something because, you know, you can't just say a statement and then not have any action. But, you know, you making a statement is something. And if we look at all these companies who are, you know, saying Black Lives Matter, like you cannot pull up Hulu, Netflix, any of these, their dating apps, like literally everything you pull up now says Black Lives Matter, um, which I'm sure a lot of people who don't support that are having feelings about, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, that's been my biggest thing too. Like, okay, how are you really like doing that work to show that you believe that? So, yeah. Yeah. And even, so something you said earlier, uh, like you pointing out the coworkers thing is, um, you and I had a discussion earlier where you brought up, you know, like the angry black woman trope, um, which is very real and is something that I believe a lot of people, a lot of women of color, a lot of persons of color, they can be the angry black woman, the angry black man, like the angry, the angry black person, you know, however they identify, like they're, that is a trope. And that's like another part of white privilege that I believe not only myself, but you know, all, all other white people need to check and need to think about and need to realize because if I can step on that grenade for you and just be the office bitch, like I will, I have no problem with that. I'll do it. You know, like if, if it makes you uncomfortable and it makes you fearful, you know, whether you're fearful for your job or fearful for how people will judge you within the company or out of the company, you know, whatever it is, you know, that I'm happy to be that person. Not everyone is happy to be that person, which is why my friends who are POC, you know, like they, they were like, I'm, I'm not going to be that person, you know, um, in checking your white privilege, it helps you think about those things. And it helps you realize like, they don't want to do it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like they're not just sitting there and like, scared and like oh my gosh it's like it's like there is a there is something that goes back hundreds of years you know that that shows why they are afraid to do that like take that moment and run with it and do whatever you can and take what action whatever action you can to help them to help the black community to help your peers and the people that you care about feel better, feel safer, and feel like they are cared about. I honestly think that is a great place to wrap. <laughs> Olivia is out here giving y'all free oh, information. What I'm here for. <laughs> uh, I will be sure to link your Instagram and ways people can connect with you if you want. I know, you know, you just had a whole rejuvenation around your Instagram I, privacy. I 
did, but it's okay. My, I, I have to remember what my Instagram is. You're fine. We'll get it in the show notes. Okay, it's cool. Not I was like, do not need it at the current moment. Know. You're fine. Um, like, I don't remember which one. <laughs> Um, as you know, I like to end every show with a question, a sort of palate cleanser, good vibe to leave on. Um, and that question is, what is the best advice you were ever given? Or what is a piece of advice you would give your younger self? Um, I have two parts of this. We'll allow it. Um, the first one is, it is okay to not be okay. Um, I believe that you and I are very much so people like this. I'm sorry if I'm outing you like this, but <laughs> um, you can edit it out. Um, but, you know, I know for a fact myself, you know, like I try to just be like strong. I try to be there for everyone. I try to not show my emotions. I try to like whether I repress them or I hide them or, you know, whatever, whatever vocabulary you would like to use, you know, like reminding myself that it's okay to take a minute and rejuvenate. It's okay to take a minute and feel your feelings and go like take a six hour nap on the couch. Like go, it's okay to not be productive, you know, for however long you need to not be. Um, because you got to feel that otherwise it's going to like explode one day. And you're going to be in a lot of therapy, a lot more therapy than you were originally going to be in. Um, also shout out to therapy. It's my favorite. Um, the second part is your feelings are validated. So many people try to defend your feelings not being validated. Um, but they are. If you feel a certain way, you feel a certain way for a certain reason. It is okay, and they are validated, and and you go feel those feelings. That's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com, and visit the website, theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye.